Hey there, welcome to a brand new season of the What Connects Us podcast. Today we're chatting with Leslie Kelly about her experience with mental health on the farm and how she's doing more to spread awareness for egg producers. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. All right, we're back with a brand new season of the What Connects Us podcast, season seven. Can you believe it? We have all new episodes for you with stories of risk transformation, heartbreak, resilience, triumph, everything in between, we gotcha. My name is Mason Gardner. Thanks so much for joining me, Connexus Credit Union, and every listener out there in Saskatchewan that is hoping to connect with others in the province and learn from one another along the way. For our season premiere, we are chatting with Leslie Kelly, a female egg producer from Watrous who's on a mission to support the agriculture industry by empowering conversations about the importance of mental health. Leslie is going to share why mental health is a topic that's so close to her and her family, why it's important for farmers, and how she is helping to spark conversations and spread awareness by co-founding the Do More Egg Foundation and her blog, High Heels and Canola Fields. She'll also share with us some very emotional and touching stories about her dad, who she just recently lost to cancer, and the perspective you'll hear. It will speak to your soul and send shivers down your spine. Trust me, it's it's one of my favorite conversations we've had so far on this podcast. Leslie is such a captivating speaker that tells stories with such emotion. She's joining us remotely from her home in Watrous, so let's welcome her to the conversation and kick the season off right. What connects it to Leslie? Let's find out. Leslie Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. You just finished Harvest. How'd it go this year? Yeah, uh, we are breathing a sigh of relief. (laughs) Harvest went well. Um, It's hard to imagine that we're done in September and it's still 20 degrees outside. Right. Um, But for us, we were very fortunate. We know um, that throughout Saskatchewan, conditions were quite variable. Uh, For us, we had some well-timed rains um, that really helped through the growing season. And our yields were about average or a little bit above average. So, um, yeah, we we were um, happy, very grateful, but um, we also needed it because last year mm-hmm. was a hard, a very hard year for us. <laughs> was it ever? Well, I'm happy that things went well for you this year. Now, let's get a little bit better acquainted with you. Tell me, who is Leslie Kelly and what background should we know to better understand your story? Who am I? That's a loaded question. <laughs> That's a tough uh, one. <laughs> I am... A mom uh, to two young boys, Jennings and Copeland. I am a wife and a farmer, and I like to share to uh, those that um, are hearing my story is I'm just a person that loves to spread seeds of hope and love and laughter and light to others. Aw, Let's let's back up to what was life like growing up and how did that play into your story? I had a great childhood. So born and raised and now uh, raising my children on a farm uh, just outside of Watrous, uh, a grain farm. And I grew up with my mom and my dad and I have a younger brother and a younger sister. And I just loved growing up in in Watrous. It's such a great community, offers so many choice, um, amazing friends. And I saw my parents, you know, be involved in the community through Kinets and Kinsmen and hockey and sports. And uh, now with with, uh, raising my kids, being well connected to, I just know how strong 
um, and purposeful that sense of community is for us in, in rural uh, Saskatchewan. You know, living on a farm, growing up on a farm, um, such cool experiences like having the bus, you know, running to the end of the driveway mm -hmm. and having the bus pick you up and watching the sunrise um, being or getting stuck out uh, in a field with your rubber boots in the springtime, <laughs> yeah. uh, playing hockey on a pond yeah. in a, on a slough. Um, and then just for, with all that, it was the hard work. Like I saw my mom being and working hard in a garden and being so proud to then harvest it uh, and bring it out to a meal in the field and how my dad, I loved waking up uh, to see my dad working on numbers at the kitchen table and talking about farming uh -huh. and growing the farm and what he was going to do that day and planning it out and um, then having, you know, my dad around in the winter time too. So it, there was just, there's so many great fond memories of, of being on the farm growing up there's I think for for us there was no like I couldn't imagine any other different life than um what my parents what my parents gave me totally and even as you were talking I found myself just nodding because <laughs> I remember what it's like to walk to the end of the driveway to get pe <laughs> yeah. picked up by the bus I remember there was only 20 people in my graduating class so it just a nice reminder of my roots. So as you're saying that, I think a lot of people will be nodding along as well. So I found when I moved to the big city for university, like we went from 20 people in my graduating class, one hallway in my high school, to now being in this giant university where like, what, they have elevators here? Like what's going on here? So I think you probably had a similar story if you went to the university. So tell me a little bit about um, studying marketing in university and how this started your career path. Yeah, I was very excited to uh, go off to university. Uh, I'm very independent. And while I was growing up, even though I loved the farm, I didn't see a future with me on the farm. Right. Uh, growing up with my brother, my brother was always the one that, um, you know, had the farm jobs. I was... Um, I usually helped my mom uh, within the house or within the garden or the odd odd job because I I like I love the farm but I I didn't just see a future um, with myself being there so I wanted to live and work in the city so um, going to university was such an exciting new experience for me um, and going into commerce into the business side because I was fascinated with you know I saw my dad run this farm business and all the emphasis that he put on in growing the crop but also behind the scenes I saw him develop um, a, a company or buying the elevator in town and starting that as a business and he had just this entrepreneurial spirit so I was really excited to um, immerse myself in, into that. So, um, yeah, going into the city, uh, getting an apartment with some friends <laughs> and uh, almost the sense of freedom, too. Right. You know, I've been in a small town with, um, you know, 2,000 people, and now I get to order fast food. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it was it was a very exciting time for me. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hey, when you're like, we have a Seven Eleven here. If if I have if I need milk for cereal, I'm I can just go out and to Walmart and get it. This is what a weird concept this is. So tell me about uh, what came next after university for you. Yeah, after university, so I I took marketing with um, the idea how I I liked accounting and I liked finance and operations, but I had this professor who 
was so fascinating. And that's where I started to really enjoy marketing from the mindset of why do people like, why do we buy the things that we buy? Why do we make those decisions? When we go into a store, why do we turn right and not left? Mm -hmm. And how marketing and advertising and branding, how the way that it's laid out uh, affects or impacts how we think about um, products and services and that feeling. And so after university, I knew that I wanted to explore marketing, but I also really loved agriculture, you know, being away from the farm for four years. Um, I, I thought, you know, even if I might not be involved on my farm, what could I do within the industry? And so I uh, took one of my first jobs that were offered to me, and that was selling uh, products to to farmers. Um, And what I loved about that was, I got to hear farmers stories, Mm -hmm. and I got to learn who they are, and I got to learn more what happens outside of just my farm and how every farm is different and how every story is unique and the love that farms have or farmers have. So that really brought um, a new sense of passion for me. And uh, after a few years of doing that, uh, my husband got married and we set sails to Alberta. Uh, we wanted to kind of make our own path and that's where I found my two worlds collide and I was hired on with ATB Financial Mm -hmm. and uh, involved on their agriculture marketing team. Awesome. So you are going through these amazing experiences in your career and you're picking up so many different pockets of knowledge and experiences and you're meeting so many different people and it sounds like it's the dream jobs for you. So tell me how we jumped from marketing to Martin's Munchies. (laughs) How did this come about? Uh, Well, when I was out in Alberta, um, I was curling a lot. And then I made the decision to, and it was, I loved it, but it was also very hard. We lived about an hour and a half outside of Edmonton. So I was commuting about three hours every day to work. And then competitive curling, you are curling every day on the weekends. And I started to, to become burnt out. Mm. And so I made the hard decision to retire. At the, it sounds funny. Sure. At the age of 25 from, <laughs> from curling. <laughs> but uh, I, I took a step back from curling and uh, a hard decision because I loved it so much. And I love the people. Right. And, um, I love the physical aspects. I love the mental game, the strategy. But um, at that time, my dad came to me and he had just sold uh, his elevator business. Mm. Um, use that, use the elevator as a producer car loading facility, one of the first of its kind in Western Canada. And he was looking for um, the next opportunity. He was really, he always was forward thinking and had a forward vision of what agriculture was looking for, what the industry needed, what consumers were wanting. Mm. And he had talked to a scientist out in Manitoba who was looking for different ways of how to incorporate barley outside of, you know, beef barley soup and beer. Right. And she was looking at ways of, of how barley could be incorporated into a snack food. So uh, he, after a couple uh, visits and meeting with her, uh, he took that idea and 
brought it to me and said, you know, you're the marketer <laughs> in the family. Is this something that you would like to pursue? And I thought, holy, how cool is this? Mm -hmm. uh, and he was looking at it from a way of, can we use what we grow rather than sell it to the commodity markets? Mm -hmm. Can we do something that's more value added and bring that value back to the farm and sell directly to the consumer? And uh, such a cool experience, you know, I, I'm new and uh, I'm new to this and I'm young and I'm eager and I dove right in. So I uh, developed a business plan, you know, did lots of research, um, did a couple grant uh, proposals mm. and we were very fortunate and lucky uh, to uh, partner up with the Saskatchewan Food Centre out of uh, Saskatoon. And they really helped us uh, hone in on our vision and develop this barley snack food. So it was uh, a snack food that had salty and sweet kinds, and it was made into small bite-sized clusters that were sold as a you know a healthy alternative snack food to moms and people on the go. Right. And it was such a cool experience because I got to learn about what happens after products leave our farm, and the process of you know what scientists how they create food products and the labeling that goes into it and the marketing and the, and the distribution and what it takes to be put in onto a shelf at superstore and loblaws and yeah. walmart and the wholesaling aspect to small businesses and selling directly at trade shows and events to consumers um testing it so it was such a a neat experience and I learned so much. I had lots of ups and downs. Right. I was told some not great feedback and given some other great feedback, but yeah. I always took it and figured out a way to to make it work. And yeah, we sold Martin Munchies for oh, I would say about five, seven years, right? Um it was after I had uh my first baby mm. uh and uh, Jennings and we sat down as a as a family and said, okay, what are the next, we were at a phase of the business where we had very large companies wanting to um, have us in the stores, uh, but they needed a guarantee of so many products uh, in so much time. And in order for us to get to that level, we had to invest in a very, very expensive custom made piece of equipment. Right. And uh, a hard decision for us, but uh, we didn't want to put the farm up for collateral at such a risky because that didn't determine sales that just determined if we were able to even get into the catalog wow. and uh so we just took a step back because uh at the time the the farm wanted to grow in a different area and our family was growing so we took a step back from that but i that um martin munchies really set my path on um in agriculture and yeah. learning about agriculture and learning about business and learning about um, my family, working with family. And it really helped set me up for the next stage of my career. Oh, that's awesome. It's interesting, hey, when it comes down to that decision, you're, you're just wanting to expand, you want to grow, you want to grow. And then it gets to a point where you have to take a big step, like you said, investing in custom made equipment. Now you have all of this awareness and now there's a lot of demand for it. But now you basically have to say, we're we're jumping in full time or we are, we kind of have to exit or be okay with the level we're at now. So you talked about the criticism and how you had to face so many different moments of feedback from people and some criticism as well. So 
I'm really curious about this because I've heard you've talked about this, about how accusations of being a bad mother mm-hmm. inspired you to begin your blog, High Heels and Canola Fields. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, like Martin, Munch- M- Martin Munchies was uh, a part of the inspiration behind High Heels and Canola Fields because we were out in uh, downtown Vancouver mm. and we were selling directly to um, our audience and we were at that show and people were so enthusiastic for us being there. They're like, you're a Saskatchewan farmer and you made this with your hands and you oh, grew wow. those barley. And they just, they love talking to farmers because some of them had never met a farmer before. And uh, so with, with that, like getting, um, just seeing that level of engagement and enthusiasm that really filled up our, our buckets or right. our tank. But then at that show too, uh, we had some criticism or there was some moments that really took me aback and you know we started to get questions and this was before egg vacating um was a thing like um of how to answer these questions so some of the questions were you know uh what type of farm are you are you uh an organic farm or are you using chemicals on your crops Mm -hmm. um what do you spray on your crops you're killing us and i was quite pregnant at this show with uh jennings and very very hormonal (laughs) (laughs) and this lady came up and uh and you could tell i'm very i'm very pregnant and she looked at my belly and she said uh are are you spraying chemicals on your crops and i said well yes and here's why and before i could say here's why um she said you are you're a bad mother um and i i i was so hurt by like I didn't even know what to say because uh, um, she had such fear in her eyes of when I said yes we sprayed chemicals and then to take it to the next level of not even engaging in conversation or wanting to hear more about my story or why we why we made those choices um, to say that I was a bad mother and knowing that you know my husband and I were told that we would never have kids and uh, to to hear those words from a stranger, uh, I was very, it was very hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat on that feedback for a while and thought, you know, if, if people really have such fear, uh, of how their food, like, I don't want someone to go into the grocery store or talk to a farmer and be so scared of, of what they're eating. So that inspired me to then create a blog and share, you know, a different side of that story and the reasons why we make these choices, knowing that there's so many choices out there and that's great for you to go into a grocery store and see so many different types of food. And it's great for me as a farmer to be able to make so many different types of choices for our farm. Uh, But choice is good and and just to know the why behind it. For sure, before casting judgment on someone, that's that's really unfair. And this kind of dovetails into another question. You see you see a lot of fast food companies trying to utilize this fear and misinformation in order to promote their Beyond Meat products. You see organizations like A&W do this a lot. How does this make you feel as an egg producer, as they're casting you as this villain for for fueling the economy and for having healthy products for people as well? How does that make you feel as an egg producer? 
it's hard not to take it personally because what we do is so personal to us. You know, it's where we're born and we're, we're raising our kids. We live where we work, we work where we live and every farm is so unique. So to cast a widespread for companies to cast a widespread blanket statements um, to an audience that doesn't have the information in a way that they can digest it and then know those choices or the reasons why we're doing the, those things. It It's hard not to be really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the other reasons why I started the blog, because at the time um, I started to hear and see all all of this happening where companies were coming out and saying, you know, there's hormones in beef mm-hmm. and, and then not share the more, more information around that. Yeah. And to be vilified and to see our industry who works so hard um, and who does such great, amazing things and who's very, very proud of what we do um, thought, you know, if I could just share um, a different perspective um, or my, you know, my, my opinion um, in the hopes that it will help others just know more about those choices and mm-hmm. how you're only getting this little bit of information uh, in order for them to sell more products. And it's fast food too. So um, we see it every day. I, I try to just take a step back and, and go and know from a business perspective, I get it. I get why they're doing that. Yep. And as a farmer, um, just to keep on sharing and showing in hopes that someone might see that other side of the story that they're not getting from a marketing campaign. Totally. And you're a marketer too. So you're, and I'm a marketer, so I totally yeah, get it. <laughs> totally. But I love the idea of instead of just feeling hurt and upset and going against what they're doing, let's educate or provide resources mm-hmm. for others while also giving a holistic picture of what someone who works in agriculture and has a lot to say, not just about agriculture, but about their families, sharing recipes, different things like that. So tell me a little bit more about high heels and canola fields and what this has been like for you. I've been doing high heels and canola fields for, yeah, about six, seven years now. And I, I started with the hope of, you know, bridging the gap and, and sharing information, but it's really turned into um, just an area or it's my real life in the moment journal of me trying to bring light and laughter and love and hope um, to other people and knowing that, you know, your words matter and, and ways that we can help each other. And that's through building this community or sharing my real life story uh, and being authentic in the hopes that it might um, help someone in their day or what they're going through because we're all connected in, in one way or another. So it's really morphed into I was solely agriculture information and now it's um, just real life moments and memories of love and laughter and light. Totally. Is it intimidating to share such personal moments that you have in your life? Because I've, I've read many of your blogs. You, you can tell that it is authentic and it's transparent was it intimidating to start writing these and and sharing parts of your heart with people who you don't even know yet and what has that experience been like for you oh it's it was very hard at the start because you know being a marketer you're always behind the scenes and then to put yourself out in the public um in an industry um in your community uh and to share photos of your 
of your life and to share your ideas and thoughts and really out to the world and never know what you're going to get back. Right. So it uh, was intimidating. But for me, what I've learned is that um, for, for me to be who Leslie really is, I need a, I need a creative outlet. And one of those creative outlets for me was I love taking photos and I love sharing my words and I, and it's very therapeutic for me to write a thought or write a story or write something in my day and put it out, put it out in the world. And the love and the support that I then get back or hearing similar stories or similar journeys. Um, so intimidating at first, but the support that I've received in return, um, has been life-changing uh for me so i always um try to um now with what i put out in the world just with the lens of um this is who i am and this is the path that i'm walking and i hope that it helps you or if it doesn't um i hope that we can connect and learn from from one another um it's a safe space a safe environment and we're just walking the same path path together totally we i find when it comes to sharing parts of ourselves especially on the internet we're so afraid of how it's going to be perceived we're going to we're worried about if somebody's going to take offense to some an opinion we have even though we're saying it in a respectful way but what you don't always lean into is that this could be something that someone needs to hear at this moment we all have these shared experiences and you just never know if that other mom out in Lalosh going through a similar experience, a tough harvest, just needs to hear that somebody is in the trenches with them going through something. And I find that your blog just does a great job of relating, connecting back to people and really impacting their mental health in a really positive way. Because as we know, as egg producers, you, there's so many different factors that can really impact your mental health. Paint a picture for any non-egg producers on how mental health can have such a prominent role in your farming operation? Oh, paint a picture um, that only 2% of us in Canada grow food and that 2% of us over half are struggling, Mm. Um, whether it be with anxiety, depression, stress, our industry faces high amounts of suicide than the rest of the population. Uh, So that in itself paints a picture of, you know, our industry um, is hurting and it's struggling. Um, Why it's hurting and struggling, you know, mental health, it's part of all of us. And um, it's important to all of us. For those of us in agriculture, we do have some unique factors and stressors Um, that are outside of our control, like the weather and the markets where you can put all of your income, all, all of it on the line and have it be washed away or burnt up in front of your eyes and have to live through that for months and months. And knowing that, you know, the immense pressures that you are the fifth, sixth generation and the future of the farm is on your shoulders and uh, the, you know, businesses or farms now it's 
hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars um, that you're running. And you have to every day be an accountant and a lawyer and an HR manager and a marketer and a counselor and an agronomist. It's um, there. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but with that, it's very, very re rewarding. But what we do, um, you know, we work with our family and that in itself is great. I love to work with my family, but then there's some unique stressors and challenges and relationships that can come from that where, um, what happens if you don't get along, mm -hmm. um, and the toll that that can take, or, you know, unfortunately some farms have had to be separated because of, um, you know, maybe disagreements or arguments or different visions or different uh, visions of or goals or, or what is entailed for the future. Um, and we have one inventory cycle. So in a whole year, and that would be like if you had a business of selling clothes mm -hmm. that you only had, uh, you only had a certain window to make the clothes a couple months in the year and then only a couple dates to sell them. Right. And you, then you have you would have looters coming by every day and trying to tear out your windows and then you live in the back of the shop. Right. <laughs> um, so it, uh, it, it with all that, like I always, I saw my parents go through some hard times and I felt that stress. And now with my husband, my brother and I farming, I know that stress. And I'm, what I'm trying to do with, by sharing more about mental health, whether it's to, other farmers or those who support farmers or those who um, are outside of the industry is know that, you know, it's not if we're going to go through these hard times, it's when. Mm -hmm. And when we go through these hard times, my hope is that my kids and my kids' friends and other of those small future farmers have that support and that community around them um, of when they go through, you know, floods and droughts mm -hmm. and relationship hardships and those all those stressors that come with farming totally and a lot of the times isolation like, isolation yes is a big like impact too the isolation part i didn't really like i'm extremely extra extroverted yep. and i always worked in a place where i was surrounded by a team mm -hmm. and then moving to uh, our town and working with my brother and my husband, you know, I'm in a cab of the combine for 12 hours every day. And, um, I don't actually see, I don't see many people. And then mm -hmm. in the winter I'm in my office doing books and don't see many people. And when my husband was needing help, um, you know, to call someone and say, well, I can get you an appointment, but it's harvest and you have to drive three hours to make this appointment. Well, that sometimes doesn't work too. So the mm -hmm. mental health supports in some of these rural areas during those high, busy, high stress times, uh, um, might not be conducive for our work too, but yeah, the isolation, um, we're, we've been learning, like I've been learning as an ext extroverted, what I needed to do, yeah. um, to fill that side of the cup. Especially too, like during harvest time, you were working long hours in a cabin, by yourself in your combine and like you have kids especially if you ha if you do have a family like they have volleyball games that you wish you could be at and you're missing out on those components and you're just kind of in this like cube of just by yourself and maybe the radio and all that sort of stuff so you can see how that would multiply some mental health components if you're not too careful um and proactive in in protecting yourself from that or 
or going through things like that. I remember coming home from, I grew up on a farm, so I remember coming home on the bus and it's hailing outside and like coming off the bus and like like covering my head as I'm running into the house and dad's just sitting there looking out the window as a farmer, just with like a drink in his hand, just like reflecting and watching months of hard work just kind of going up in because of hail right and you can see how you can just empathize with how hard that would be so do you mind sharing yours and your family's personal tie to mental health because I think that's a key component as to how you started do more egg and all this all this really Mm. important work that you're doing do you mind sharing yours and your family's personal connection to mental health on the farm Yeah, I uh, started to learn more about mental health. It was when I saw all of my family go through mental illness or they're living with a mental illness or really struggle uh, with their mental health. And um, I always, when I share with others um, at events and um, give presentations, uh, I always try to, to share the first thing of what my family and I, our path and the life that um, we, we live uh, around mental health. Because I always, before, I didn't know how to talk about it or what to say or didn't know much about mental health. But now, knowing our journeys, um, it's made us into the special and unique individuals that we are. Uh, so my... My husband, he lives with anxiety, and it's mainly attributed to, to farm stress. Mm. My brother came upon a tragic accident a, a few years ago, a car accident, and is living with PTSD and anxiety. My little sister was diagnosed um, through COVID uh, of living with uh, borderline personality disorder. Uh, my dad, when he battled cancer, I saw him have uh, bouts of depression and anxiety through, you know, the the treatments and the chemo and the radiation and just the change of um, his life. Mm. And myself, I've uh, gone through postpartum depression. Uh, so my family, we, we've lived it. Um, and what I always share with people is, yeah, it, it was hard. And we were a family where we didn't know much. We didn't talk about it. We didn't know what to say. But uh, uh, through small, small steps... Uh, we've learned, um, you know, what we can do to support each other and ourselves. And it's brought our family and our farm closer, closer together and stronger because of it. And I'm, it's amazing that we can have these conversations now and people can empathize rather than hearing borderline personality disorder, just feeling like, oh, well, what's that? Like, like casting judgment right away. It's now we ha- can have these conversations about well, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, let me, mm-hmm. help me understand what, what's going on and how I can support. So for, tell me a little bit about your experience with postpartum depression for anybody that's hasn't gone through that or can't relate or doesn't know anybody who, who has gone through something like this. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I had heard of postpartum and when I had my first child Jennings um, I didn't experience any hormonal changes Um, that pregnancy was very typical um, very I think your normal or your average Um, but with my second it was it was so different Um, so it started with uh, one of the first ultrasounds uh, and of course with 
the first one being so average, my my husband, he w- he stayed on the combine, or I think it was even planting, I can't remember. And so I was like, yeah, no big deal, you can stay, like this is right. just routine. And I saw the technician's face go white in that appointment, and then she ran out of the room. So your heart just oh, no. breaks, your stomach turns and the doctor came in and said you know we found markers or indicators and uh you need to go get some more blood work done and this and this and that so um we found out that copeland had a high chance of having uh down syndrome we didn't do any further testing because we thought you know if, if this is the the angel that we are receiving we th- there is a reason and we are going to love this baby no matter what and Every appointment that I went into, there was uh, some complication, whether it be brain spots or liver spots. So I, my anxiety just went through the roof for that for that pregnancy. And when he was born, uh, uh, my mouth dropped because they handed him to me, and he was he was healthy, and um, so very like we were so grateful and, and blessed. But then afterwards, about um, you know two to three days after getting home from the hospital, I started to I started to feel off where I didn't know. You know, I couldn't pinpoint it. I just felt different, but I didn't think anything was really wrong. Um, I was having a hard time sleeping, even in the moments where uh, the baby was sleeping. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. And I had a hard time really connecting with him, mm. uh, both of us. Um, so here I was sitting with like immense guilt and shame. Like here I am on mat leave, maternity leave, and I had one job and that was to take care of this baby. And I wasn't doing a very good job. Like I was failing at this. Right. And how do you fail as a, as a mother? So um, I felt so much of that guilt. And then I recall one afternoon where I was so exhausted, like not after not sleeping for three days. And my husband said, well, how about you go upstairs and you you have a nap? And I thought, that's a fantastic idea. (laughs) Everyone loves a nap. (laughs) I I love love a good nap. So he went upstairs and I couldn't nap. Like I was, I didn't know how, how I could be so exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like everything. And, uh, could not, just shut it off. She could not close my eyes. So I went into the bathroom and then the tears came and it, it, they could not stop. I was hyperventilating, having this emotional breakdown in our, in our bathroom. And my husband came in and, and really, and he helped me through that moment of, yeah, I, I've seen, you know, these changes. And looking back, I, like he saw all those signs of, I stopped taking care of, you know, my, I hadn't showered, hadn't bathed, hadn't brushed my teeth, hadn't, mm-hmm. you know, washed my face, hadn't texted anyone. Um, so abnormal or outside of my normal. And yeah. then to be so um, just emotional. Um, but he really, he helped me, me through those hard moments. And within, I would say about three, four days after that, we, we started to get Copeland and I, we started to get our group back. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, it, I probably wouldn't have taken any steps if it wasn't for my husband saying, Hey, I, I'm here to support you and I love you no matter what. Right. And, um, something's going on. And it, and I'm not a mother, so I. But I can empathize with how 
frustrating that must be with you imagining having your child. You had mentioned that you you were told that you couldn't even have children. Now you have this children. You should be joyous. This should yes. be the best moment of your life. And you should be so great at this. This is what a blessing. And you're, you're not connecting with it. And just mm-hmm. like that, that breakdown of who you thought you were going to be in that moment, like that, that identity crisis you're kind of feeling must've just been so jarring for you. Heavy and hard. Um, yeah. Cause that was exactly it. Like you should be grateful. You should be good at this. You've already done this. Mm-hmm. Um, why is this being so hard? Like you're not working. This is the only thing that you have to do. Why can't it was all like, and that's that, um, my husband and I talk about it a lot. It's the roller coaster. Yeah. Once you get on that roller coaster, that spinning wheel, it's so hard to, to get off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that uh, he, he got on that roller coaster, mm-hmm. took a seat beside me and uh, took a couple dips and bends and turnarounds. But yeah. uh, we, we got off of it. <laughs> yeah, that's so important and so awesome that your husband was there for you. He has had some, you talked about his mental health, but he went through some panic attacks as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he was such a good support because he he's lived with those experiences and it's that lived with experience that really helps you when someone you see and you love and you know is outside of their normal, how you can really go to them with that support with mm-hmm. no non-judgment. Yeah. And with Matt, like uh, living with anxiety, I recall coming home from work one day and he was having a full on panic attack in our, in our living room in Regina. And me not knowing what to do so I just held him as tightly as I could to get him to focus on my breathing but that was when we started to have some really in-depth conversations of um, how we needed to do things differently on the farm and within our family because at that time we were living in Regina we had moved back from Alberta but made the decision to live in Regina um, and then Matt would commute to the farm because the farm wasn't in a position to take on three family units we were in a growing phase so here he was um being the son-in-law and living in regina not at the farm and feeling feeling that you know the only way that he is of value to the farm is by being at the farm and working day and night so and then living uh, when he was at the farm he was living in a camper not seeing his family his you know his young young family or growing family and trying to figure out relations uh, and how to work with my dad and my brother. And then we were hit with um, uh, lots of rain. I think it was above like way above average uh, precipitation Um, and acres were flooded. Roads were flooded. Our farm went into then financial distress. And then he built, he was like, well, I'm a doer and a worker. So I'm going to build businesses to get us out of this. And he did. But that just manifested into just a huge amounts of stress and anxiety and then resulted in, in panic attacks. And it was so hard to watch um, someone that you love so much go through, go through that. Yeah, you can, you can feel the weight that that would have on his shoulders mm-hmm. as not just think about the number of different roles that he was taking on, not just from the the entrepreneur side or the the business person component, but as a father, as a son, as a husband in this sort of situation, how many, you could just feel that weight that he would have been feeling. So a key milestone though, in your story is when you and your husband posted a video 
sharing mm-hmm. your own mental health journey. Tell me a little bit about what prompted this and why that was significant for your story. Yeah, so he he and I, um, after those panic attacks, we tried to find uh, support. And I recall like even... Um, you know, asking him, well, like, what, how can I support you? What support do you need? And, and he said, well, I don't know. So we really started at the basics and took baby steps of um, getting him that support. So it was uh, a couple, two, three years of um, that journey of helping him through his anxiety. And then when his mental health started to get better, um, my girlfriend, another fellow farmer from Saskatchewan, uh, she had received a message from someone she had never met um, through social media looking for resources to help a family whose farmer had died by suicide. And she couldn't find anything. So um, she put out a tweet asking agriculture to, to do more when it comes to mental health and how there weren't resources and that farm stress is real and suicide is real and we need to start talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. And my husband not being on social media, I was uh, just sharing with him how the conversation was unfolding and it really, um, it exploded across uh, Canadian Twitter, agriculture, Twitter, or egg Twitter it was very prominent at the time yep. or, and still is. Yep. And it started to have, uh, make, uh, create conversations across the world. So, um, we were driving, it was our anniversary and we were driving and, uh, I put it out there saying, you know, what if, you know, so many from this conversation, everyone's saying we need to talk about it, but still no one's really talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, what would, what would, what could we do to really help? And I'm like, we've, we've both lived with these experiences and we know that there is help. And we know that there is hope out there and that it does get better. We are living examples of this. And so we thought, let's do, let's do a video. Um, let's just share from, from the heart of, of why mental health needs to be talked about. Um, so we, we shared this video uh, of us. So I shared about postpartum, Matt shared about his anxiety and farm stress at our kitchen table. And just the, with the hope of, you know, if one person, if one farmer and their spouse or their family watched it, if it just helped that one person, um, you know, it's so worth it. But we, um, we did have we did more conversations as to, you know, okay, so if we did this, what could happen? Because mental health still wasn't being talked about. Right. Um, and we thought, you know, what are the risks? And the risks were... Uh, you know, what would the bank say? Um, we have operating lines of credit. Uh, what would insurance say? Like, would our insurance be denied? Uh, and then what really hurt was um, we rent some of our land. And would landlords, uh, would people go to our landlords and tell them that we're crazy and insane and our rented land be gone? We thought, oh, that's why people don't talk about this. Right. And it doesn't, it's, there's the fear of the unknown of what people might think, but also in agriculture, it's, well, the fear of what the impact to our businesses and our livelihoods. And weakness. And we thought, and that weakness. So we thought, you know, that's why we need to talk about yeah. it. And if one person, if it saves one life or helps one life, uh, it's that, that's why we're going to do it. So we, we did this video and my husband 
shared how it was almost like the weight of the world being lifted off of his shoulders. He oh. like, no one really knew our story. And here we were like, uh, you know, on social media sharing all the highs, but here we were living in the trenches through some of that. And the amount of responses, the, the amount and the rece- the positive reception, it was 99% positive of people, you know, uh, uh, people saying, Hey, I've, I've been there. I've lived through that. Um, I know that. And of the, I didn't know where to go and I didn't know who to talk to. And the, you know, this has given me hope and this is what I've done to help. Mm -hmm. Um, It just created this, um, this catalyst of going, Oh, Oh my goodness. Like we, we thought we were alone. They thought they were alone. We all thought we were alone and no one should be alone in this. And that then, um, transpired into more conversations of, okay, what, what more can we do to, to help our neighbors and to help our communities and to help farmers? Awesome. Yeah. You nailed it where you're going through these risk factors. Well, what if I share, will this vulnerability be seen as a weakness when in actuality, this is something that is a very shared experience that a lot of people are saying, yeah, me too. I am feeling Mm -hmm. the exact same way here in my combine alone, missing my family, feeling like I need to get this crop off before frost takes us all away from me, takes food literally off the plate of my family, takes money away from my family. I know what this is like to kind of feel and bear this weight. Like great on you guys for kind of taking that lead in order to to propel this conversation. Cause like I said, it's a shared experience. So many people it go through really it. It really is. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how this also manifested into the Do More Egg Foundation and how this got started. Yeah. So then literally days and weeks after that uh, video, uh, myself um, and that uh, fellow farmer uh, who started that Twitter conversation, Kim Keller, and a couple of our friends, uh, Matthew Singh and Kirk Myers, uh, another curler, yeah. um, got together and we found out that there was no organization across Canada that was solely dedicated to mental health and agriculture that um, helped bring resources, build resources, create awareness. Um, so we thought, you know, let's, let's do it. And through a couple months of planning and um, going through the the works of starting a, a not-for-profit, we launched Do More Egg in 2018. Um, and we, we still to this day focus on the same three pillars when we started. And the first one was to create awareness about mental health and um, what we can do to create um, awareness and supports. And the second one is to build that community so our communities whether it's at the kitchen table or at the boardroom table or at events or um, within you know a therapy session or with the counselor how we can build these safe uh, conversations and the safe community to be able to raise your hand and say hey I need help Mm -hmm. and then the third one is all about resources and building um, and creating resources and the resources that are out there to be that conduit so people know that uh, when they need help uh, this is what it, what is available and what is out there um, so yeah it's been a very um, a very humbling 
but worthwhile journey and proud that we are a registered charity across Canada, a first of its kind uh, in Canada and really across the world. Um, but with that emphasis on mental health, like the support that we received when we launched um, or even uh, until the months leading up to it has been uh absolutely amazing and nothing that we could ever anticipate uh similar to the video it was nothing that we could have ever imagined the the companies and the associations both at the industry level and then at the farmer level of people saying yeah like it's about time that we we start talking about this because if we want healthy farms we have to have healthy farmers and we always or we have really, you know, um, highlighted what it takes to grow a crop and to grow a herd and keep our herds and our crops, um, you know, safe and, and be under less stress. And what does that mean for us as farmers? And so I'm really happy um, and really excited of the, of where it's gone, of how much support has been given and where, where it will lead to in the future. Yeah, you've really tapped into if your video was connecting with people that said, yeah, me too, I, I feel like this too, Do More Egg connects them and creates a community to, to build resources, to make sure that if anybody's saying, yeah, me too, well, here's how we can help. Here's how we can support you. Okay, let's take a quick breath and introduce some further mental health supports for farmers right here in Saskatchewan. Connexus partners with the Farm Stress Line. It's a phone line that connects egg producers with crisis counselors, and it's available 24 hours, seven days a week. It is such a great resource for farmers who are looking to chat with someone. And to tell you more about it, I have Amanda McFarlane, an area manager for Connexus's agriculture team on the line. Take it away, Amanda. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much. The Farm Stress Line helps support producers in, in many areas. So thinking about clarifying problems or concerns and help working towards a solution connects the caller with the appropriate organization, professional or program that best suits their needs, really listening and supporting in a safe, neutral and non-judgmental environment. Uh, calls are answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's confidential by crisis counselors who are there to provide life-saving support without judgment. Um, as an organization committed to the financial and overall well-being of our members and communities, Connexus has partnered with the Farm Stress Line for mobile crisis services to support egg producers and rural communities across Saskatchewan um, because we know you can't achieve financial well-being if your mental health is unwell. So definitely recommend this. And again, it's calls are answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks, Amanda. Like Leslie has been talking about, mental health is so important to manage on the farm. I know people in my family that have utilized the farm stress line. It has made such a difference to help them navigate some pretty tough pressures. It's always available for you whenever you need it. Now let's get back to our conversation with Leslie. So what can we do? or anybody that isn't an egg producer or wants to help, how can we support and build on this momentum to support egg producers and their mental health? Uh, yeah, that's a hard one because, um, you know, for us, what that support looks like is is different. Right. Um, so I don't ever want to say, you know, this is the one way or the only sure. way to support a farmer. Um, but for me, like um, what support looks like in what really fills my cup up from those outside of farming is to be curious, you know, to, um, to ask questions about 
why we make the choices that we do. Um, what happens on a typical day at the farm? You know, all those things that um, make our lifestyle unique. Right. And then the other way that um, I love to say how you can support a farmer is you are every day by purchasing food. And you can purchase and support farmers across Canada by going to farmers markets and by going to the grocery store, by going to a Walmart. Um, they're uh, either big chains, small chains. Um, the food that you find in the grocery store is either started um, from a farmer in Saskatchewan or in Canada or is directly right from their farm um, from, you know, fork to food or fork to table. So I just need to eat more. That's what I you're saying. More. Yeah. Easy. I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And to like when you see something about agriculture on social media, um, to go, okay, so maybe that's one side of the story. Um, where can I find more information? And the best thing that you can do to find, if someone's vilifying or saying this is the only way in farming, I, my spidey sense would would ring. Um, sure. So to to go and go direct, go right to a farmer. I know I am always like, I get giddy when someone uh, outside of agriculture comes and asks a question. Cause either if I don't know, or I can say, Hey, this is what we do on our farm. These are some other ways. And here are some other people that would give you their experiences. I, you know, we can, we're always happy to connect and show and, and share. Awesome. Um, I would say there's nothing to hide. So that's, those are some ways is um, be curious, um, come and ask us and uh, show your support at the grocery store, farmer's market, wherever you can buy food. I love how that's just a universal lesson is you can support anybody by just asking more questions, leaning mm -hmm. into more conversations, casting less judgment, just being open to learning more different perspectives. I love that. Um, speaking of different perspectives, I loved reading your blog um, and talking about being it was like an open letter to your children about how um, it was like a letter to open like a future farmer. Mm -hmm. And a big component of that was how to treat women on the farm. And you as a female egg producer, I'm sure you've experienced some some pretty interesting things. So I'd love for you to give a snapshot of what it's been like as a female egg producer in a very male dominated industry. Yeah, I wrote those or that letter. It was when they were really young. Mm -hmm. And it was because I saw some women in eggs some fellow farmers, women farmers, um, be put in some um, uncomfortable situations. And that the, the situations itself, and then the conversation of what happened afterwards. Um, really was hard and heartbreaking for me as being another female in egg. Um, so for me, being a, a woman in agriculture in a male-dominated industry, I, my dad, he he never like I had a great leader, mm -hmm. um, and he never uh, was fixated on this is your role and this is your brother's because he's the guy he, he more was, you know, this, what do you like to do? Yeah. Like, uh, or what do you want to learn today? Um, so that in itself created me to, you know, not see it as, um, it being a detriment to me being a female. So, uh, walking into events and meetings, I know that when I first started in the industry, you know, 20 years ago, 
it was myself and maybe a couple other females in the room. Mm -hmm. Now I am excited uh, to walk into a room and see the shift of how, uh, you know, there's more women. And now I hear uh, in university, in agriculture, um, how there's more women now uh, going through and getting their master's or their bachelor's. And to me, that's very exciting because I always looked at it as, um, you know, there's not one way to farm yeah. and there's not one right way to farm. And we're so diverse in agriculture from the crops that we grow, the regions that we grow them in, and that diversity should also be within our people. Uh, because what I bring to my farm and to the associations or the boards that I'm involved in or to the teams, uh, I bring a different or unique or, or special experience or skill set. And so does the next person beside me. Totally. And that, diversi that diversity is a really good thing. And so um, I try not to look at the conversation as a, a woman versus male, them versus me, right? You know, us versus them. I always think of, you know, the more that uniqueness and those differences do make us the industry, the um, successful industry that we are. And what I can do is when I was growing up to see another person that looked like me, um, another female going, um, oh my God, you can do that. Yeah. Um, to me, that's inspiring. So I, I try to foster that uniqueness and the diversity and that leadership, that leadership of, of females uh, within agriculture, because um, from what I know from my mom and other females is uh, women, we are the heart. We are the heart of the farm and we are the heart of the industry and our role matters so much. And to really celebrate that uniqueness and those special qualities that we bring. For sure. And also not just assuming somebody's role on the farm just based off of gender. I'm hoping that we are getting to the place where, for instance, like chemical salesmen aren't like if they if they meet you in the yard, they're saying, well, can I talk to your husband? Like hopefully those days are starting to go and become um, there's a lot less judgment around people's roles on the farm for sure. So yes. Something that um, I also really loved reading in your blog is you shared some great perspective that your dad shared with you when you and your husband moved back to the family farm. And I love that your dad is such a, he's been a steadfast character in this story from when you started, when you grew up to who you are now. And this perspective he shared was it's not the number of acres or what type of equipment you have that will determine your success as a farmer you will be successful based on how you treat each other and yourself. Tell me what this means to you and how this has manifested in your day-to-day -day approach. Oh, this, that sentence is everything that really, um, like when he shared that we all got goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's redefined our whole, like what we feel and think success is and everyone's, uh, definition of success is different that really to me sums up our success on the farm but also in life and he said it at such a pivotal time too it was like the stars all aligned um and it was at a time where we were moving back from alberta before the rain came uh and we were really gung-ho of you know being more being more involved in the farm and starting that succession or that transition plan. And we wanted to buy equipment and, you know, outside looking in, it's like, let's give her, let's right. go and 
uh, buy things and grow and all fine and dandy. And but what my dad did was he saw, you know, some individual like because my brother was out in Manitoba for a long time. He hadn't worked with Matt. Um, and he he thought, you know, if, if we're going to get it right, we're we're going to have to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And for us, getting that right was developing a really strong and solid foundation and a really good culture. Mm-hmm. And so he shared, you know, of all the 40 or, or so crops that he's grown, if we want to determine success, it's how we treat each other and ourselves. And that started, uh, you know, conversations as to, okay, what, what does that then mean? So our values on the farm first are, are each other, is our family. Because if we don't have family, we can't have the farm. And the second one is then the farm. And then the third is financial. So all of our decisions that we make on the farm um, first goes with, does this keep the harmony of the family? Because we need each other. I need my brother. I need my husband to farm. And then the second is then, uh, is the farm. Does this keep the farm intact? And then the third is financial. Because if we don't have family in the farm, then we don't have financial. So that really is our guiding star, our guiding principles into our our decisions and our success in the farm. And I'm so glad that we had that bout of wisdom from him in that moment. Cause it really, uh, I try to share that quote wherever, wherever I go. Yeah. It, it gave me chills when I read it. It just, it, what a great way to take a step back and set in set intention and mm-hmm. reminder at the end of the day, be good people. Cause we're also impacting people. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really powerful. So in, Mid-2019, your family received some hard news about your father. Do you mind telling us a little bit about this? Oh, that was such a hard time. So um, in 2019, I recall, because we had moved from Regina to Watchers, we were renting a house. And usually my dad, you know, to have a conversation, he'll phone. But all of a sudden, he stopped by. And I, you know, you just have that spidey sense. And at the time he, uh, he was feeling a little bit off outside of his typical self. And he was really, um, hiccuping a lot and losing his appetite. So he was losing weight. And then he shared that, uh, he, he was diagnosed with having cancer. And we sat there and we cried, uh, and it was it was hard because it's almost like the grief, the grief stage sets in, and your mind runs in a million different miles of, uh, you know, all the negative. And he saw because he he's been through it. He he's living with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that moment, he said, you know, it it will be hard and it's going to be rough. Um, but he said, what we can do is uh, what would really help uh, is just try to keep that positive mindset. Mm. And he's, and he said, that will, it's like the physical stuff that uh, I can help with that. And that's what uh, the doctors can help with. And uh, outside of that, it's, it's outside of our control, but what we can control is that mindset. And then uh, days and weeks leading up to that, uh, we really, we rallied around him and the family and uh, started to, you know, say if, if things didn't go our way or in my dad's way, 
um, what could we do as the family? And the first was then kick that succession and transition in high gear. Cause mm-hmm. what my dad didn't want is, uh, to leave this world and know that his family was not only hurting in the farm, but then hurting with, uh, his loss too. So, uh, it was hard, but we, uh, we, we rallied and he fought, he fought so hard, but we, we lost him last summer. I remember when I was reading your blog and I talked about how you just never know who you're going to connect with when you're reading the, these, these words. And, um, my dad was a farmer. My dad was also diagnosed with esophageal cancer and reading your blog just made me feel seen. Um, here reading your perspective and also like just also smiling because I saw my dad in your dad and, and hearing words of wisdom. It just made me feel so connected to you and, and back to my dad and your dad. So I want to thank you for this vulnerability, both in your blog and with what you're sharing here today and for not being afraid to do so with just such such emotion because as we've talked about it truly it it truly connects people and has that power to reconnect them to their roots it totally did for me and i'm i'm just really sorry for your loss because he sounds like just such a great human what was that like for you there's so much level of stress already i was lucky enough with my dad because he had just he'd already retired we had sold the farm but you're still running your family operation, something that your dad had built with you and your family. What was that like to try to navigate that, those stresses while also battling with your dad on that front? You know, it, uh, there were, there were moments of stress. Um, but man, he, he was such a great leader and that leadership transpired into us then, um, going through those moments with him. So I would say the, the stress was hard um, on the moments where it's just seeing that he wasn't out at the farm mm-hmm. and the, the pain that he was in um, though that was stressful, but what helped us through that was he was just so excited to be part of the process of transitioning the farm. Mm. Uh, he, that's what got him up and got him excited to see his family, you know, pick up what they've learned from him, bring what their skills and knowledge and, um, you know, the, that spirit, uh, to the farm, uh, that really, that really helped. Um, and he was our biggest cheerleader. Mm. So I would say like the stress during that, those two years, it had its moments. It was, and then it was through COVID. Um, and I recall there was one time I went to my, my dad's house. So this was when the transition of all the operational stuff was, was pretty much done. So my dad would come on to the tractor to rock pick every now and then, but, uh, he was more, um, doing the, just the financials at the farm or at the house. And so I knew I would get him one day and through COVID not being able to, be there to support him and then support my mom who's going through all of the treatments with him like that was very very hard and not to hug them 
and hug him and hold his hand during chemo like Mm. that um that was very painful so i went to my dad and i was going through a rough patch you know more restrictions not being able to to see them uh more restrictions for the kids and sports so i was in a funk and i went to him to you know to to whine and i was sharing you know those hard moments and uh and he he looked at me he said you know, I don't look at what cancer took from me. I look at what cancer gave me. And he was referring to, for me, not to think of what COVID keeps taking away. Look oh. at what COVID is is giving me. And I thought, like, what? Like, what? Okay, so tell me more because that does right. not make sense. Like, And he said, you know, I I had to get through that rough patch, like what you're going, like what you're going through right now to, to see it in this lens. He said, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I was mad and I was worried and I was upset and I, you know, was afraid. But mostly I, he's like, I was mad. Um, but he said, now I look at going through that, I had to get to where I am today. And where I am today is I look at cancer as what it's giving me in the respect of I have more time. I'm Even though I love farming, it was at the position where I wanted to slow down. And, and it's so great to to see my kids do that now. And it gave me the gift of giving my kids the opportunity and it gave me the gift of time. Oh. And it gave me the gift of time with you and with our with the grandkids and with your mom and to go and do things that we haven't done. So uh, he said, it's given me more gifts than, than I, I c- could have right now. So um, to have that perspective oh my in the middle of cancer and going through really rough perspectives. So that just made me see that those stressful moments as, you know, I'm going to go through this stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but what am I going to get out, out after it? You need to write a book with <laughs> quotes from your dad. And I know he's my, my farming. Um, oh, what's the star Wars character? Oh, Yoda. Yo, yeah, he, he's yeah. my farming Yoda. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you are writing a blog. So we are learning through that. Thank you for sharing those those moments. So I know what it's like from losing your dad and him being so connected to the land. What's it like for you? What kind of emotions do you feel as an egg producer being so surrounded and connected to your dad every day in the work that you do? Oh, I would say it's all the emotions and they all come sometimes at once and sometimes it's um, pieces of them. Uh, It can make it, it's very bittersweet um, to, like you feel him and you see him. uh, And it's like the memories of uh, eating out in the field and knowing how much he loved it and being able to share that, share those moments with my kids and it's the moments where you're in the tractor and you hear his voice come over the radio even though it's not he's not um but you you just it brings you back to a just such a special time and then it's sweet in the in the thoughts uh, and the experiences of of leaning into just how you get to do what he loved and to take that pride and to make this farm like to be to do what he loved and or what he's built and then take it to that next level 
and then know how proud he would be. Mm, totally. And I know you have a special tattoo that you also wrote about in your blog. Tell me about the significance of this statement. You are stronger than you know. Yeah. So uh, uh, when he passed away, like you, like that grief journey is, let's say it's weird. It's heavy and it's hard. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> you go through the, like you react in ways you never thought you would. And um, so I, I really thought of those moments that, uh, that really touched me. So uh, I had this tattoo that says, yeah, you're stronger than you know. And it was because of one of his quotes that he shared with me throughout my lifetime. And I, I wrote about it. So when I was seven, I was running outside in sandals. <laughs> and I, a uh, typical farm, farm girl, I stepped on a nail. Right. And because I was wearing sandals or flip-flops, it went right through my foot. Mm. And... Oh, it hurts so bad. So I screamed and my dad came running over and he picked me up and on the way to the hospital in town, he held my hand and said, you know, Leslie, uh, your foot's going to hurt, but you're stronger than you know. And uh, when I went through my first heart heartbreak as a teenage girl uh, with a boy, <laughs> my dad was one of the first ones that I ran to and I remember crying on his shoulder and he patted my head and said, you know, your heart's going to hurt, Leslie, but you're stronger than you know. Mm. And then uh, when I got uh, old enough and, and was involved more on the farm operations, uh, I had to grain cart for one of the first times. And that is a daunting <laughs> uh, role in itself. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was so outside of my comfort zone because uh, I'm just not very operationally inclined. And uh, I broke a couple shear pins that day. I didn't run into anything, but uh, I, I had a good workout. And sure. <laughs> I got back to the yard and my dad could see how uh, my confidence was hurt that day. And that's what he said. He's like, you're, you know, after today, your confidence will hurt a bit, but you're stronger than you know, Leslie. And then he said it again, um, that quote, when we got the news that uh, he was only going to be with us for a few days. I remember telling him, like, I don't know, Dad, how I'm going to live live without you. And I remember he was looking out the window at, in the hospital, and he paused, he, and he took a moment, and then he, he turned to me, and he had tears coming down his, his face. And he said, it's going to hurt, hurt for a bit, Leslie but you're stronger than you know. And, uh, you know, taking all those experiences and taking them together for, for what it is, he just, he redefined how I view strength mm. and made me realize that your strength comes from, comes from within, especially in a career of farming. We always think that you have to be physically strong, mm -hmm. but he taught me that, you know, strength comes from other places and uh, I shared that just in the hopes that uh, for others to, to know it, to believe it, to trust it, that they are always stronger than they know. Oh. Thank you for sharing that, Leslie. Like, that is so powerful. And I think what's so interesting about this story is that back to that quote we shared that your dad had said, 
and it's all about like almost people first. The last line is you will be successful based on how you treat each other and yourself. And we think in as business people, like we think about succession and what our legacy will be. You start focusing on like, how am I going to leave the farm? And that's important. But those moments are the ones that, that, that really leaves an impact with you. And you remember those moments and the almost like those soft moments rather than what you've built from an, a franchise or a farm and different things like that. Thank you for sharing that with me. I think your dad would be incredibly proud. So looking back, what have you learned about yourself during your journey? Oh, I'm almost 40. <laughs> and uh, I am uh, to be 40 and go, wow, like I, I'm here and I'm celebrating it because what I've learned about myself in this journey is that life is amazing and life is a gift and it's beautiful, uh, yet it's hard. Mm. And there's so many of us that are walking that same road together. So I've learned about that life love. And then I've also learned about self love. And to me, I'm my own best friend. And I, I'm one person. And it, whether if it's one person in that one moment, um, you can have such an everlasting and positive impact on someone else. So uh, to me, it all boils down to living this life to the fullest and in the moment and then loving myself to the fullest. Oh, that's a great perspective. So what's next for Leslie? Uh, what's next? So I am, my since my dad has passed away, my role on the farm uh, has changed quite um, a lot. Uh, so I'm fully fully immersed in the farm. Uh, so I'm very excited uh, to, to learn all about this role and the farm and immersing myself in, because uh, I've, I've got big shoes to fill. Right. And I know you would say, you don't have to fill my shoes, um, but I've got a lot to learn yeah. and I've got lots to experience. So for me, for what's next is um, doing the farming thing and learning about the farm uh, learning how, you know, how my, my kids and my nieces will be involved in the farm, what that looks like for them. And for me and my family, uh, it's, you know, focusing on that joy and, and health and, and happiness. And I love the stage of life that we're in. My kids are young and they're um, full of energy and sports. And so I'm trying to soak up this uh, this moment or these moments in this season as much as we can. But um, I don't have any big five, 10 year plans. Uh, I'm just trying to make a difference in my kid's life, in our farm life, and then um, in our community. Love that. Oh, right on. So before we let you go, I'm going to hit you with some speed round questions here to get to know you in a different way. First one, what is the best meal you've had in the field? Oh, um, the best meal in the field is always that like roast beef, potatoes, mm. gravy, buns, roasted carrots, salad, oh and my a gosh. Good, good pie. <laughs> Do you get that often? Well, uh, so that's part of like our, our culture on the farm is, um, the meal. And I'm so proud to, 
provide a, a good hearty meal knowing that it brings everyone together. It's what they look forward to. It's a moments of distressing mm -hmm. um, where we get to see each other. The kids get to see their dad. Um, so for us, it, I try to I I try to make it as best as I can. I'm not the bestest of cook, uh, but it's part of our our farm culture and wellness. So. Um, yeah, but then the next day they'll probably get pizza. <laughs> Good for you. I was just about to say, I think I got like lukewarm pizza pops out there and stuff. So that, that sounds awesome. Uh, next question. What was your first job? Oh, uh, my first job was working for the town of Watrous where I uh, was the groundskeeper for the ball diamonds, but I also cleaned porta potties and oh, worked gosh. at the garbage dump. Oh my God. <laughs> so I had, I had a very dirty job and, and it's, maybe very grateful for my next jobs. <laughs> totally. I remember my first job was the groundskeeper at the village of Katepwa. And oh, I, yes. I yeah. remember thinking like, this is working. Like, <laughs> the rest of, I'm doomed for the rest of my life if this is what we're doing. Uh, awesome. Favorite concert you've ever been to? I loved the show that Garth, I've seen Garth a couple times. Sure. He just connects so well with the audience and it goes like every song is a memory yeah. it, with a person or with a moment in time so i would say his have really stuck out for me love that something that watchers does better than anyone else oh um we the we have the best lake that you can float in oh is that lake manitou that's lake manitou a salt lake yeah. um i think it's the only place other than the dead sea Very that cool. would have the natural um elements in the water that are healing and make you float. Very cool. Didn't know that. Um, next question. Is there any of your kids' TV shows or movies that you either love and or hate? Uh, we're in the season right now of them watching YouTube and I don't understand. <laughs> they watch people playing video games on YouTube and I... <laughs> Like my shoulders and the stress just seeps in right. and I don't know, like they love it. So I try to like embrace it. You get one, one of these videos, but after that, I'm like, uh, uh, it's, you're like, mom can't handle this. It's back to power Rangers. Yes. <laughs> I love that. A lesson you've learned about money. Oh, um, lesson I learned about money. Um, my dad always shared to the saving factors. And to have that rainy day nest fun. Um, so no matter, everyone's elements of that are different. But uh, my my lesson or what I try to go by is to at least put some 10 to 20% away in savings, um, long term and short term. Awesome. Where can we find you or learn more about Leslie or High Heels and Canola Fields? Uh, you can learn about learn more about me and my journey, whether um, it's through videos, uh, podcasts, my blog, and mental health at highheelsandcanolafields.com, or I'm across social media on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Love that. And we'll put um, the link to the blog in our show notes for you as well, for anybody that wants to check it out after this. Uh, last question for you, Leslie, what connects us? Oh, the heart. I'd say the heart so connects all of us, um, the passion, the love uh, for those around us, for the things that we do. Um, I think the hearts, if you, if you can get to the hearts, um, that's the, the magic of, of it all. 
Right on. Great one. Leslie, thank you so much for taking some time to share your incredible story. I think my favorite takeaway from this is you talk about the family farm and how important it is for Saskatchewan's economy and how important it is to help teach business lessons, all that sort of stuff for the family. But you have just such an authentic care for people that has clearly been passed down from your family, especially your dad. And what I learned here today is just the importance of leaning into conversation to support and care for people, but at the same time, that resilience that comes as well from just trusting that you are truly stronger than you know. Thank you so much. I've taken so much from this conversation. I'm sure others have as well. Well, thank you for having me and the these moments. Um, yeah, it's a it's a gift to share, and I hope it helps uh, someone else in their journey too. But I'm very honored to be part of your, especially on season seven. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Well, that's it for our chat with Leslie and for our season premiere of the What Connects Us podcast. We're just getting started with season seven, so we'll be back in two weeks for our next episode. If you've taken value from this episode, please do us a favor, hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. It makes a big difference for us and helps us continue to tell these stories. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's connect then.